Hello, welcome to Bloody Mary, a podcast about sexuality, feminism, and horror movies. I'm your host, Kristen Ryan, and I'm super excited to have with us today JT Habersat from Austin, Texas. Hello, this is also a, uh, a swap cast with The Road podcast because uh, that makes sense whenever two comics get together that have podcasts. Uh, so it's going to be appearing on both of our podcasts. Hooray! Hooray! <clears throat> so I'm going to let you kind of lead the charge here because um, I'm. Uh, Distinguished enough to be the first first dude you've you ever are. had on this. You are the first dude on Bloody Mary. That's awesome. So tell everybody uh, that's unfamiliar with your podcast what it's all about, and then I'll kind of give a little synopsis about mine for your listeners, and we'll go from there. Sure. Bloody Mary is a podcast where I um, pick people to sit down one on one and talk about their favorite horror movie. And basically, we talk about it through a lens of sexuality and feminism and, and the different themes that they've picked up on in the movie and what the movies mean to them personally. And, uh, you know, we've interviewed a dominatrix, uh, political organizers in the city, other comedians. It's been a lot of fun. Awesome. And mine is just called The Road Podcast, which is essentially my uh, zany drunken adventures <laughs> getting in the van and interviewing uh, comedians and uh, rock and roll people and uh, general odd ducks across this great land of ours. So it should be, should be cool. So um, what? Uh, first of all, let's do a little introductory stuff just as far as uh, the basics, because this is our first time working together. We're in Chicago. Mm -hmm. I should mention that. Thank you to everybody who came to the Whip Theater last night. We're at the Whip Theater again tonight, which is a fantastic venue in Chicago. And um, the first time I saw you, I can't remember. If, I think I was just hanging out at the show, but it was at uh, Sure Thing in Austin, Texas, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think you were headlining, weren't you? Maybe. <laughs> so we have worked together then. Okay, so that was the case. Um, but I remember seeing you in Austin. You were out there just on a, a short run. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we came for my friend and I went for like a week and uh, just did some local shows. It was a really, really good time. Cool. Yeah, yeah. And that show was super fun, always. But I, yeah, I, I was probably on it. If I was home, I was probably on it. Um, and uh, but this is the first time we're working in Chicago, which mm -hmm. is where you're based out of now, but not your home city. Nope. Originally, I'm born and raised Green Bay, Wisconsin, and moved to Chicago about eight years ago. So you're, uh, I've been in Austin for about 10 years, so I always say we have like dual citizenship. Do you feel like a Chicago person now? I, I do actually, because when I go home, I have those Illinois plates on my car and I'm, I'm always nervous that I'm considered a fib, which is a fucking Illinois bastard. <laughs> a fib. Yeah. And they love to pull people over with Illinois plates and I'm always in my heart like, I'm not really a fib. I just wow. That's rad, because I, <laughs> that's funny. I rarely, when I go back east now, because I grew up in New York, when I go back east, I fly in, so I don't have any sort of like Texas plates. Although my East Coast mm -hmm. friends give me shit every time one of our dumb Texas representatives open their mouth about, yeah. we're going to secede and bang, bang, and they're our super villain fucking asshole <laughs> governor in his wheelchair, who is one cat <laughs> short of being the bad guy from... <laughs> every 007 movie but uh i get called a yankee still after 10 years in austin so really? yes wow yes usually by uh friends busting my balls but i still occasionally get that like they don't i don't walk down the street and they go yankee but you know it's mm -hmm. it's strange how those those terms hang on uh but here nor there so yeah your your podcast deals with horror movies and originally you're like i want a horror movie that you feel has a feminist angle to it and I was going to do The Shining because mm -hmm. I feel like that. But that also feels like a, a low-hanging fruit 
because uh, I've watched that movie a million times, and there's a lot of easy parallels, I think, as far as female empowerment in that movie. You know, it is a great movie. It's a strong movie, and uh, I'm just embarrassed that I did not refresh myself to watch it this week, which is the real reason we're not talking about The Shining. Right. <laughs> and, but I, I've literally seen that movie probably more than any other movie I've ever seen. And uh, But that being said, you suggested another fantastic movie, which I'm honestly more excited to talk about, which is called... The Invitation. Yes. Yeah, I just watched it last week after a friend recommended it, and it is pretty much everything I love in a horror movie. Yeah, I uh, I saw it not by accident, but I'm like I'm one of those days where I'm like I'm just gonna go to the movies and I don't know what I'm gonna see, <laughs> and it was between that and Green Room, which I was just discussing, which was also a very good film. But I was like, this seems weird, and I don't know much. I like going to movies that I don't really know anything about. And was blown away by how good that movie was and proceeded to tell everybody and no one knew what I was talking about. Mm-hmm. So when it, it got a very limited theatrical release. Um, yeah, it was really overlooked. It was. But now you said it's on Netflix, right? It is. So I'm sure a lot of people will be watching it. Yes. So first and foremost, if you're listening, watch The Invitation. Uh, but you want to run with kind of the synopsis of without... I don't know. We're going to try and bridge the gap of spoilers and whatnot. Yeah, but. I, I mean, in Bloody Mary, we go full on spoilers. Okay, well, fuck so. it. So watch the movie, pause, <laughs> come back in an hour and 40. It's worth it. Do it. Yeah, do it. Um, but basically, the synopsis is, while attending a dinner party at his former home, a man thinks his ex-wife and her new husband have sinister intentions for their guests. Mm-hmm. And uh, also included in that is the ex-wife and new husband have joined a spiritual group, which we would just call a cult. Cult! Yeah. <laughs> Fucking cult! Yeah. I have to say, like, growing up in the 80s and 90s, you know, like, uh, the cult aspect has always really intrigued me. Uh, you know, Heaven's Gate and all that. Mm-hmm. So I was in this from the beginning those, like, yes. the, the crazy eyes the, the eyes behind the eyes of the fucking nut jobs that uh well here's a quick again not to go down too many divergent paths here but you work uh not only in comedy but you do a lot of like uh, social issue based mm-hmm. stuff um i tend to hang out with underground slash fringe weirdos sometimes along the way have you ever found yourself in a situation where you look around and go like this feels like a cult kind of oh god so many times yes because yeah. <laughs> it's like a fine line between like this idea of working towards the betterment of society and like going off the <laughs> you know starting your own little cult and like i feel like that's where the line comes up like there's so many of these uh back to the earth groups you know like in the late 60s early 70s and there was a documentary on netflix about one of them where it was like at first it all feels so good and nice and everyone is like creating this new society to live together and then the leader always starts fucking teenagers and (laughs) (laughs) and then you're like oh nope it's a cult okay yeah there's a I have found a lot, not a lot, but there's select comedians I've encountered and I'm not going to name them because some of them are my friends, <laughs> <laughs> but there's certain comedians that have this mixture of charisma and get shit done that I'm like, you could easily be a cult leader. Oh yeah. You know? I mean, I have to admit, like I've been a union organizer the past 10 years and like seeing certain people have that amount of power. Like I study them, like how do yeah. they get people to jump on board yeah. to do the craziest shit? Mm-hmm. Like I want to get you to negotiate a contract with your boss and like stand up to your <laughs> boss. I can't get people to do that, but like Jim Jones can get a whole 
ton of people to drink poison Kool-Aid. Like, right. What the hell? Right. I think, I feel like having a beard is the first prerequisite. You need to have a beard. I will start that. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> start Amish beard. And yes. uh, not, again, not to go down too many tangents, but I wanted to give a shout out quick to uh, Sword and Scale podcast. Who, it's a great true crime podcast, and they did an entire episode about Jim Jones. Oh, so if nice. you're into podcasts and stuff, look up Sword and Sail because they, they just took all of the – they somehow got a hold of all of the audio from the last hour Ooh. of the Jim Jones thing. And, it's, and the entire episode is just listening to the audio of people, like, protesting, like, we maybe we shouldn't kill the children, and it's just off the walls fucking wow. bananas. So. Wow, I don't know if I could listen to that. That's pretty intense. It's it's really intense. I mean, you don't really hear people dying or anything. It's just the psychology of the debating and and Jim Jones uh, making his argument for why this is the only course. You know, it's wild, crazy shit. Lighthearted family fun. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, the um, the invitation is yeah basically that this guy, him and his ex wife had their child die. well, again, no spoilers. Well, it's full spoiler free. All spoilers. All spoilers. So watch the movie and then come back because otherwise you'd be bummed out. But the child dies. I thought it was really interesting how the kid died because I thought it was going to be like, oh, he wasn't watching him and he was swimming and he drowned. Or some one of the typical, or he got hit by a car, chasing a balloon, one of those things. But the kid died at a birthday party because him and his friend were fucking around with a baseball bat and he accidentally got hit in the head with a bat and died. Mm-hmm. I was like, that's realistic. You know? Yeah, it scared the shit out of me because I've had nine concussions. I was like, ooh. Nine? Yeah, I'm glad. Kristen, how do you get nine concussions? Uh, I know ooh. Chicago's tough. No, it was all when I was younger, actually. I thought helmets were lame. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> For everyday life, or were you playing sports or on like a motorcycle or like. I was a skateboarder and snowboarder. Oh, okay. And that one makes sense. I was getting hit by a bus, so yeah. Hit by a bus? Yeah, that's fun. <laughs> Gnarly. Nine, that's a lot of concussions. Yeah, but I'm still here. Yeah, okay. I'm going to make you wear a helmet tonight on the show. <laughs> <laughs> it's a big stage at the Whip Theater. Um, but yeah, like the the randomness and just like kids fuck around it in the backyard and whoops, you get hit in the head with a bat and suddenly you're dead. I thought that was a very, uh, it was it was true to life and new. You know? Yeah, and it was surprising because the way they were leading up to it and the character Will, the father, you felt like, he felt, I mean, obviously, if a child dies, you're going to feel bummed out. But the way they were portraying it, it was like, if it made you feel like he had more of a hand in the guilt of it. Yeah, because he just turned his head for one second and done. You know, mm-hmm. it was like, yeah, uh, the, the parental guilt. And that essentially destroyed their marriage or whatever. Yeah, I can see that. Right. And so he's now got a new girlfriend, the ex- Kira. Kira, yeah, who was great. She was a very cool character. Mm-hmm. Um and the uh, the ex-wife is now remarried, but they haven't seen each other or heard each from each other in like two years, was it? Two years. And she is a real creepy Stepford wife when we meet her again. Yeah. She's, a, she's a smile bot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I thought, again, uh, kind of a foreshadowing thing, um, but the, the scene with the deer that opens the film. Oh, the coyote. The coyote. That's right. The coyote. Mm-hmm. Holy shit. He, well, explain like what. Uh, so Kira and Will are driving to this party, a dinner party in the Hollywood Hills, and they hit a coyote, and it's uh, it's kind of like on the side of the road and whimpering, and it's obvious that it's in pain and it's going to die. Uh, so Will takes out a tire iron and kills him, and 
you know, it's it's pretty much like starts off the movie and it's pretty like, oh, well, this is unpleasant. Yeah, it, it starts the tone for the film. It's such an effective, awesome opening because it's super unexpected. It's brutal, but it's also that justifiable, like the animals in pain. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want to do it, but what are you going to do the right? It was a really powerful way to open that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was curious because my family are hunters. Uh-huh. So like I very much understood that idea. Like mm-hmm. you don't leave something to suffer. You kill it. But I'm curious, is, is your family like, did that scene seem more brutal to you? No, not at all. Okay. To me, that was... Because I'm like that, too. I'm the biggest animal lover you'll find. And I don't hunt, but I don't... I I have a problem with, like, big game hunters and shit. Like, the, the trophy sport gross stuff. Like, I, I really have a problem with that. If you hunt, you know, deer and eat the deer and or fish, like, I'm, I'm fine with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but the practicality of there was no saving that animal, like, that was the right thing to do to, in my brain. You know, mm-hmm. so it didn't feel morbid or whatever. It's just a a shit left turn by life. And this is the, this is what has to be done now. You yeah. know, it's like, it's like putting an animal to sleep that you love or something like that. But I mean, obviously different cause it was a random coyote, not a pet, but um, yeah, no, I've, I've been in those situations. I'm, I'm a big uh, reptile fan. And in, when I was in New York, my dog was outside and he started barking like crazy. And I went out and there was a big, like four foot black snake that was not poisonous or anything, but it kept coming towards my dog. It was in strike position and I got a shovel and I scooped the snake and threw it down the hill and the snake kept coming back. It was super aggressive and I ended up having to kill the snake with the shovel because it was, and I was like, I really hated to do that, but it was like, well, had to be done. So, mm-hmm. but what about you though? Did you find that like uh, just a course of action that needed to be done or was there a weird, because I, I know sometimes people that, whose families do hunt have even more of a visceral reaction to that because they've been around that and they it bums them out more. Yeah, yeah I think um, for me it just seemed like a matter-of-fact thing that needed to be done, and it also established Will as kind of like an authoritarian character mm-hmm. like that knew what needed to be done. Right. So it made me kind of trust him in a way. Right, because the easier thing would have been like, well, there's no saying this coyote is going to die. Let's just drive to the dinner party. Let's we'll just he- go to our dinner And party. he'll die. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because because some people, I would say, I would argue a, a bunch of people would have done that. They would have just backed out and been like, that was fucked up and driven away. Sorry, mm-hmm. Coyote. Uh, not, I'm going to put this thing out of its suffering with a tire iron. <laughs> yeah. And I guess, yeah, it made me trust Will's perspective for like what's coming later on, too. Right. right. Um, so they get to the dinner party. They reconnect with a lot of old friends. Um the and wife new and new friends. <laughs> well, like you said, the wife is very oxycodone esque. <laughs> like just, yeah. just yeah. Just fake smile. Like I had a dead kid. What? No, I don't. Look at these new drapes I got. Right. Like just yeah. crazy. Exactly. But she does have a few moments where she kind of like you can see a real person in there still. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like she has a very angry outburst on another character. Who's just, he seems just kind of like a putz, you just know? Just a doofus. Yeah. But she straight up slaps him, and it's yeah. like a, whoa! Tells him he knows nothing, mm-hmm. and then, like, wipes her hair back and is like, let it go. I've let it go. Yeah. Let's go that, have a nice dinner. Yeah, crazy veneer behind the mask shit. And I thought another thing that was super effective about the invitation was that they used uh, relative unknowns as far as the cast, but 
killer actors. They were oh, all yeah. awesome. They were all great, and I love that the cast was diverse. Like, mm-hmm. for me, watching a movie that's just all white people is mm-hmm. so bland. And yeah. uh, I think they did pay special attention to, like, bringing in all different kinds of people to the film. Right. It was cool. Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, well, Will is in an interracial relationship, mm-hmm. and there was, like, a gay couple there mm-hmm. that was believable. Yeah. Holy shit. Because just like regular people. Oh, my God. <laughs> I love the fact that it was a gay couple that had other distinguishing characteristics besides the fact that they were gay. Because so many times it's like, it's the gay character. And I'm like, okay, I'm already, that's already a non-issue for me. Right on. What else have you got? Yeah. You know, it's not just a defining characteristic. And those felt like real people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I felt like the character development was really great. And uh, what I loved most about, um, like, the beginning of the film is that there's just this sense of tension and um, almost, like, hostility, but but more so paranoia coming mm-hmm. from Will and not trusting right. this dinner party. Because, like, if you didn't know Will, you would just be like, oh, this is just a dinner party. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it felt very Hitchcockian to me because the paranoia of... Well, it's the first time he's seen his wife in, like, two years, and it's in the house where the kid died. Yeah. She's still living weird. in the house. So he has never he hasn't been back there. So it's all like what? How much is his emotional state playing into the paranoia? Versus uh, your cat is doing crazy shit over there. Yeah, my cat is humping the blanket. <laughs> Lionel, we have company. Uh, it's so awesome. He's like on top of a lazy boy, going downhill and just humping this blanket. I'm sorry. Oh, no, it's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, what disturbs me most about Lionel is he only does this when he has an audience. No, it's great. So, I mean, exhibitionist cat. Yeah. So, um, but that early on, it's like, well, is he just reading too much into this? All that mm. stuff, and then the, then the new husband and the the old wife pop in the videotape. Oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that was real creepy. It was uh, Dr. Joseph, which, you know, whenever someone is a doctor with followed by a first name, like, they're a credible source. Right, yeah. Oh, total, shit. total, uh, yeah, kid toucher, usually. <laughs> yeah, so this video is basically um, this fake doctor talking about how good it is to die, and it'll make you feel real good to mm-hmm. go back to your loved ones, and you won't feel pain, and... Mm-hmm. And then there's a video of a woman actually passing. And, uh, you know, those two are watching it and showing it to their friends and just, like, expecting their friends to be like, wow, that does look great. Right. <laughs> and, and everybody's like, what the fuck was that? Like, like, what you... I love that it was, I think my, my overall favorite thing about the movie was that characters reacted in a way that felt true. Mm-hmm. Because there was one woman who at the end of that film, at the end of the the tape they show was like, yeah, I'm fucking out of here. Yeah. Oh, that was Claire. And you know, Claire's dead. See, I liked how they played that off though, because probably, but they did it in a very clever way where she walks out. Well, I guess I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit. One of the representatives from the, (laughs) that cat really wants to be a part of this. Um, One of the representatives from the weird, uh, whatever they've been on, uh, camp down in South America uh, shows up and everybody's like who's this guy and he was creepy he was creepy he's very like large and muscular and um, kind of aggressive in a way he was if I always forget the name he's a character actor he was the only thing I thought he was great and his character was badass 
but he was the one guy that I'm like, I know that guy. So it kind of took me out of the story a little oh. bit because I'm like, I know that actor. He played the husband uh, in Fargo, the movie Fargo. Okay, I saw the, it, but the it was pregnant so wife. long ago. Yeah, but he's been in a ton of stuff. He always wears a Hawaiian shirt. I feel like he's really? like, <laughs> I feel like every time he's in a Hawaiian shirt. That's me. I'm the creepy guy hey, in the Hawaiian creepy shirt. Creepy Hawaiian, eh? But um, he shows up and he's like a representative from the the creepy cult, right? Yeah, and he's got a counterpart with him named Sadie, who like she felt like Manson family. Mm-hmm. Like she was real creepy. Yeah, she was like. Run away at 14, found this family unit, and is now batshit crazy. Yeah, and when we first meet her, she's naked in the other room and just, like, smiles and waves at Will. Yeah. And it's like, hmm, yeah. who's this? <laughs> Eyebrows. <laughs> she's very friendly. Right. Um, and then, yeah, essentially, like, the, the story just progressed to, like, what's the paranoia going on in Will's brain versus is this a fucking cult? Yeah, because uh, everyone, every time Will... Because it was creepy. Like, mm-hmm. they had their doors locked from the inside, right. bars on the windows. It was a very much, like, it did feel like they were being held there. Mm-hmm. But every time Will brought it up, they are just, oh, Will. Yeah. You're being so silly. Yeah. Um, and then there's the, there was a weird red herring with the, the one woman's boyfriend. Choi, yeah. Yeah. Who wasn't answering his phone, but that's so Choi, you know, yeah. like, yeah. <laughs> it was Troy was always the kind of guy that ran late. Uh, but then there was an instance where no one was getting cell reception up there. Mm-hmm. But then Will went outside and got a message from Troy that said, Hey, I'm at the house. Are you guys going to be here soon? Mm-hmm. And so Will is like instantly like, They killed Troy. Right. Yeah. And goes in to accuse them. And then, of course, who shows up? But joy. Yeah, and you're like, oh no, okay. Yeah, it it's was a good. Still a dinner coaster. party, right? <laughs> <laughs> but I, I love that Will was believable in the fact that he was like, uh, especially I thought it, the setting was perfect. That it was in the Hollywood Hills, like Los Angeles. All of that was perfect because it harkens to the Manson vibe. For sure. Uh, the the cell phone lack of coverage is a real thing. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, the, the, the parallel of the, the mercy killing of the coyote to watching the video of the woman that is theoretically dying of cancer, but was she really? I don't know. Yeah. Um, but when the dinner party where they actually start eating and everything and Will's just like, this is fucking bullshit. He stands up and he's like, because everybody was coasting on niceties and politeness. And he was just like, why are we doing that? And that was a scene I wanted to applaud because I've been, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just like that full of shit L.A. thing of like, we're not going to talk about that because that would make it weird and we don't make it weird. Oh, yeah. I'd say that's universal. And in that in that instance, I related to Will harder than I have any other character. Because yeah. like I joke and call myself Captain Bummer, but like with my <laughs> jo- <laughs> With my, I mean, like, I'm very passionate about union organizing, and I went into it because, like, my dad was almost killed in an explosion in his paper mill. And it's a paper mill that, like, most of my family has worked at. And, like, just seeing how fucked up our economy is and how disposable we are, like, yeah, I want to talk about it. Like, that's Mm -hmm. all I ever really want to talk about. (laughs) Like, people are always like, no. I should go on record as saying Kristen is super funny. talk about is explosions at paper mills paper mills and unions 
no, one percent fucking us. <laughs> um, yeah, but but there's the degree of just like, and he he not only is like, you're all crazy, you're in a cult, but he's like, why aren't we talking about this? Because we're being polite. What the fuck? He like yeah. totally calls it for sure. And everyone is so like they don't know how to react at all. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And then uh, it, it eventually they get to like a big toast and mm-hmm. he knocks the glass out of the hands and everybody's like, you're fucking crazy. Why are you doing that? And then the girl's fucking dead because they tried to poison her. Yeah, that was the best scene. Uh, my favorite part of the movie because Sadie, the Manson-esque character, mm-hmm. really flips out and it actually like... You're physically- ruining everything. Yeah, attacks Will. And in this like altercation, she falls down and gets hurt and then no one really notices that Gina is like... <clears throat> Because yeah. she's the only one who drank the toast. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, oh shit, Gina's dead. Gina's totally frothing at the mouth and dead. Yeah. And then everyone is like, oh my God, Will was right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and when he, when the crazy girl attacks him, like she basically cracks her head on like a stone facade or something in the mm-hmm. house. And you're like, oh no, now he's a murderer. Oh, I know, I know. And, it kinda... and within five minutes or less, the entire like, it just flips on its head like nine times. Yeah, you're right. When the, when that happened, I did have like a sinking feeling in my heart for Will because it was like, what if this really isn't right. anything wrong and now he's killed her? Yeah, and yeah. Like he's going to go to prison or right. something. <laughs> it's fairly brilliant. Um, there was also a couple weird moments early on where people knocked on the door and like the guy in the Hawaiian shirt answered it and he's like oh just he talks to them he's like oh wrong house or something like weird foreshadowing so true i forgot about that yeah but it makes sense at the end because they go out and like turn on a a light in the backyard basically shit goes off the rails Mm -hmm. (laughs) it turns out it is a cult like doomsday thing and then uh they go outside i thought the light was going to be a beacon like a bunch of crazies were going to show up at the house i did too i was like when uh will went back outside to look and he looked at the red lantern and my gut was like Put it out. Put yeah. it out. They're going to come. <laughs> right. But then you just hear screaming and see the Red Lanterns across the Hollywood Hills and like everyone is going ape shit, killing each other in houses. That was such a good twist. Man. <laughs> I, re- I really hope they don't make a sequel because it's yeah. such a perfect like. I feel it's perfect on its own. And yeah, it was great. So overall, yeah, a million thumbs up. Um, are there any other like topics specifically you wanted to, to riff on as far as. Uh, either symbolically or, you know, with your the, the format of your podcast, like. Yeah, I guess um, maybe the one thing I was thinking about a lot is just, uh, you know, the two paths in dealing with grief uh-huh. that we saw before us. It was like right. Will's method where he's in group therapy. He met Kira there. Like, he's on a good path in mm-hmm. a good way. And um, then you have Eden, who, like hey, I'm going to go join a freaky cult in Mexico and do a bunch of drugs and then kill myself. Right. <laughs> like, wow. Right. The, uh, like, the wife's denial is, like, such a heavy blanket. But Will's also, like, he's going, he's doing it the right way, but I also thought it was true to life that he still has crazy, un- you can see the anger issues that he still hasn't. Mm-hmm. He's like, I'm doing all the right things to, that's supposed to make it better, and I'm still fucking furious and grief-ridden. Yeah, and I think that made him feel more real and more trustable because it was like, yeah, if something that horrible happened, you would be messed up for a long time. Yeah. Um, The psychology of the cult aspect, too, I thought was really well done in that 
they didn't seem totally batshit crazy off the bat. It was like a weird kind of inclusionary, like, we're just here to have a good time. Just consider, you know, just have an open mind, you know? Yeah, look how expensive this wine is that we bought. Exactly. Because yeah. I feel like those <laughs> dominoes are exact. If somebody comes knocking on the door, like, Here's, hey, the world's going to end. You kill yourself because it's awesome. You'd be like, slam. Yeah. But if people will slowly, you know, you got to wine and dine them first. You got to seal that deal. Oh, God. Yeah. And again, uh, I really like the gay couple because there was a, there's one moment where uh, they're, they're like trusted friends of Will. And I forget exactly what he said, but he confides in him. Oh, he, he confides that he took the pills from uh, – he saw her take pills. Oh, yeah. And he confided that in the one – gay character and the gay character immediately like outs him and makes it a big fucking deal. And I was like, see that guy is, it can be a jerk yeah. <laughs> without just being defined as a gay guy. Like it yeah. felt like a real, per- <laughs> you know what I mean? It's got some depth. He's got some depth, you know, he's being an asshole right now, you know, mm-hmm. like, um, which was refreshing and cool to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was amazing too, because it was all pretty much filmed in that one main room. It could almost have been like a, uh, a play. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Like a, uh, an Agatha Christie esque. I, I, again, like I know it, it definitely, I would never debate that it doesn't fall under horror, but it felt m- more, uh, um, Hitchcock to me, like mm-hmm. serious dark suspense, like the darkest aspects of Hitchcock. Yeah. And that is my favorite genre of horror is the, uh, man against himself uh-huh. really where you don't know if the the monster is outside or if the main character is imagining it right so i think that is like most true to life and most terrifying and so difficult to capture well because yes. it can easily turn into a cartoon of the dr jekyll and mr hyde thing without for sure um, i'm trying to think of other films that have actually done it well memento kind of i don't mm-hmm. know if you saw memento but... yeah memento and i think the orphanage I yeah really... for sure yeah um, other recommended cult movies. <laughs> if you have, uh, there's a really good film with um, what is the uh, Olsen sister who is uh, doing great right now? Your cat is on your head right now. <laughs> She's just hanging out. <laughs> like Olsen sister, like um, Mary Kate. Well, Mary Kate and Ashley Actually? are the twins. They have another sister who is in like the Avengers now. Oh. oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, she's uh, a lot of people don't know that they're related. I guess, but um, I'm. God damn it. I can't remember the name of her first name, but it's Olsen. And she was in a uh, really good cult movie where she plays like the girl who runs away from the rich family to go join. Kind of like you were saying, the the 60s back to earth type of crew. Hmm. And exactly turns into that. Turns into, well, let's fuck the 16 year old. (laughs) (laughs) I'll try and put the, uh, yeah, I'll try and... uh, dig that up and put that in the liner notes of this because I'm blanking on it not being much help to anyone but uh, there's not a well you were telling me about a different cult horror movie right uh, that I hadn't seen is by the guy who did uh, House of the Devil Ty West oh yeah yeah uh, was it The Sacrament The Sacrament yeah and that actually falls very similar in theme to this film it's more of a send up to Jim Jones though Jim Jones as uh, reported on by Vice magazine reporters so oh, okay it was interesting nice it was good it also laid very heavily into that uh, mentality of power and you know getting people to follow you to mm-hmm. do really messed up things mm-hmm. 
Yeah, the, it's it's a fucking fascinating phenomenon. Uh, I, I, of that uh, ilk, I would also recommend. Have you seen? Uh, is it going clear? Or oh, you know, I've heard so much about that. I have not seen it. Holy though. shit! <laughs> it's a it's the documentary. It, it's either HBO or Vice. I forget who put it out about Scientology and just like people who were in the thick of that man and how they come out now and it's just the the crazy aspects of how they control like every aspect of that i have to say like religion is and like when it's taken to a bad extent in the cult region is more scary to me than zombies and vampires and everything put together it's like it's so real yes (laughs) (laughs) indeed um all right, well, this was awesome. Is there anything else you want to cover? As yeah, far as... I think that's pretty much it. Cool. Well, uh, I'm stoked to work with you this weekend. Mm-hmm. Where uh, name? What's the, the website for your full podcast again? Uh, you can find my podcast on my website, which is KristenRyanComedy.com. And, and it's Kristen with it, two eyes, yep. right? Yep. Oh, that's good. Two eyes, yeah. Two eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Old two-eye Kristen, we call her. Yeah. Uh, and mine is theroadpodcast.com or jtcomedy.com has all of my dates and stuff. And uh, yeah, we'll be at the Whip Theater Chicago tonight. You're going to miss it by the time this probably airs. It'll be so fun, though. It'll be so fun. And you're going to miss it. <laughs> so, But thank you so much. Yeah, thanks. Have a good night.